For the love of fall, Starbucks pumpkin spice lattes and pumpkin cream cold brews are back. Smooth espresso dashed with pumpkin pie spice and velvety whipped cream. Or cold brew topped with pumpkin cream cold foam fit for the season. Your pumpkin awaits. Order today in the Starbucks app. Community is always worth celebrating. The same goes for the businesses born within them. And with Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, you can find the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits that are black-owned and women-owned and more. Then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. Now you can sip with purpose and discover great drinks with stories worth celebrating. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com to start sipping with purpose. I could love one son, right? But people tell me, how come you don't have a second one? And then I thought about it. I was like, how come no one asked me why I'm not having a second husband? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't a a husband easier to take care of than a son? Welcome to The Worst Asian Podcast, where a couple Asian-American millennials give you our shitty opinions on all things Asian. My name is Linji, and I'm here today with my soon-to-be ex-co-host, Ben. Wow. Hello. Hello. Hello there. What you didn't realize was not only are we we interviewing someone today, we're also interviewing for your potential replacement. Oh, damn. Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) The good thing is you've set the bar pretty low. I think one of the few qualifications that I actually need is punctuality. Yep. So if any of our listeners out there, Definitely if you want that. to, if you want to take over Ben's job, all you need to do is just make sure you come on time, and then you're good to go. You're welcome to sit next to me anytime. But before you do that, give us a like, subscribe, follow. <laughs> Today we have someone joining us on the podcast. She is the creator of the world famous Sado Asian Baking, a community with over two hundred thousand collective followers across all social media. We're talking Facebook. TikTok, Instagram, uh, Zanga, MySpace. You can find her anywhere. She is also a doctor of physical therapy. Yes. And this summer, coming up in June, she has a book coming out, Modern Asian Baking. Let's welcome to the pod our favorite baker and friend of the pod, Kat Lu. Hi. How are you doing today, Kat? I'm good. How are you? We're pretty good. Pretty it good. snowed here yesterday. First snow of New York. Have you guys gotten snow where you are? Yeah, we actually were snowed in for two weeks because once it snows in Seattle area, no one can drive. Oh, wow. Even if it's just one inch of snow, (laughs) you can't even walk out. We're crippled here. Oh, geez. By the way, uh, go Mariners. I don't know if you follow baseball. (laughs) (laughs) Go Yankees. Oh, there we go. Go Yankees. (laughs) Exactly. Did you know that Kat was originally from New York City? Yeah. uh, what uh, What part of New York? Brooklyn. Oh, okay, okay. I used to work down there too, right by Park Slope, Brooklyn. Yeah, very close to there. Nice. So born and raised in New York, so it's like a New Yorker here. Yep, nice, that's nice. the one qualification that we have for coming onto the pod. You have to have some affiliation, at least with New York City. <laughs> I guess diving into that question, what is your history with New York? I know you're based off in the West Coast now. Yeah, so prior to 2017, I was actually a full-blown New Yorker. I wasn't born there, but definitely raised there. So I went to school all throughout um, my school career in Brooklyn. So Brooklyn Tech, Brooklyn College, uh, Mark Twain School, um, and then worked there almost all of my adult life so far, <laughs> if you could say that. Um, yeah, so... I really do miss New York, to to be frank, but I do think um, with a young family and, you know, with where my career is going, being on the West Coast does make more sense. Wow. Uh, Shout out to Brooklyn Tech. Yo, Kat's smart. (laughs) Kat is smart. (laughs) For those that don't know, when you're in New York City and you're going going from junior high school here to high school, you have those three big schools, Stuyvesant, Brooklyn Tech, and Bronx Bronx Science. Yeah, but I couldn't get into Stuy, so was that actually your first choice? (laughs) Yeah, that's everyone's first choice, I think, back then. (laughs) What actually happened uh, that uh, dragged you out there to the West Coast? Were you there in Seattle, Washington area, pre-COVID, or was this a post-COVID kind of thing? It's definitely pre-COVID, 2017. So we were researching like the best areas to live. We really wanted to live in Bellevue. Because it was one of the best cities to live in, like a lot of lists online that we looked at. Um, but we were priced out of Bellevue, and the prices just keep skyrocketing. So I think the prices are even like higher now than in New York. I think New York is kind of um, crazy. 
Yeah, it's been fluctuating. We actually tried to sell a condo um, earlier last year, and um, we expected a better price, but the price was pretty crappy, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, so we fell in love with the area. We love seeing the mountains and, and you know, the clear skies when it's not rainy. Um, yeah, it's just such a nice place to, to um, have a more relaxed and chill and uh, slow-paced life, and that was what yeah. we were looking for. Yeah, as a father to a little boy myself, I completely get that. Sometimes you just want to be away from the uh, hustle and bustle of New York City, and it, especially with a kid, you know, you, you need real estate for him to actually roam around. When you're living yeah. in like a Brooklyn brownstone, or you're in the city in like a little high rise condo, there's literally no space for your for your kids to actually run around. Yeah. Do you miss New York though? Like as a longtime New Yorker, is there like a lot of stuff that? Uh, being out there on the West Coast, and obviously, no offense to West Coast people, it must be a, a completely different thing. Yeah, I mean, even though everyone um, just riles on the, the subway system, it really is a really incredible subway system. And I miss that. I miss being able to walk out and just going into an Asian bakery or getting a $2 slice of pizza. I mean, here you have to drive everywhere. And like I said, when it snows, you're crippled in, um, in, in your home. And I think. If you're someone who likes to explore and, you know, walk around and get things very easily and so forth, you're, you'll definitely miss New York. And um, I think I really miss Koreatown. Yeah. I used to work there. And, like, the Halal guys and, and things oh, like that. Oh, yes. Shout out to Halal guys. They used to just have the carts, but now, now I think they're actually international. They've got stores I've seen all over the world in different airports and whatnot. So hopefully one day they'll have a Halal guy somewhere in Seattle by you. They might. I haven't, I haven't looked yet. <laughs> so they might. Is there one particular restaurant that you miss here? Um, I, I really love 15 East. I really love that restaurant. And then as far as food, um, definitely the Junior's Cheesecake. So whenever friends or family visit us from New York, they would bring us the cheesecake on, <laughs> on the plane. Um, yeah, and like I said, that $2 slice of greasy pizza pizza that you can get in new york city only in new york city the pizza here is so good compared to obviously my opinion is very biased but whenever i go anywhere else and they try to do pizza people say it's the water i don't think it's just the water i've seen other people try to import new york city water to make their pizza yeah but it's still never the same though yeah i heard the same thing for bagels too yeah the same thing too right all the new york city water that they're doing Okay, Kat, let's start things off on a lighthearted note. Me and Ben wanted to give you a list of things that we have tried baking as non-professional bakers ourselves. So please be a little bit nice to us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to give you a list of things that we have baked and just want to see what your first impressions of it are. Please be kind to us. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> right off the bat, Nutella brownies. Okay. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I tried to make it a little fancy. Throw a little Nutella on top of the brownies. That's all it was. It wasn't inside. It was just like spread on top. Correct, chef. All I did was just put it on top. Okay. And was it from a box or did you do anything <laughs> from scratch? Uh, shamefully, it's from the box, chef. Okay, okay. Do you want a rating system out of five or out of ten? We have a tendency to be very, uh, very direct with our opinions. So let's give it you're impressed or you're not impressed. Boom. Um, semi-impressed. There we go. <laughs> ben barely has a fully functional oven, by the way. So I would say him baking anything is definitely a plus. Yes. Okay. I have once tried to make Japanese cheesecake. Okay. I would say it's very difficult. The thing yeah. that I keep doing wrong is for whatever reason, when I make the cheesecake, there's like the bottom layer tends to comes out either soggy or I'm it not sure how apart. to describe it. It's like custard, like exactly, exactly. Yeah. There's bad tasting custard that layer across really? the bottom. Yeah. So what I sometimes have to do is I just cut the top layer that's good <laughs> and I serve that. And I just leave the bottom layer off because you don't see it anyways. <laughs> well, that that's completely fine because as long as the top layer resembles the Japanese cheesecake, that's impressive. Oh. This is one of the hardest like um, desserts or dishes to make, and one of the first things that I tried to make three years ago when when I was uh, starting baking. So I'm definitely impressed. Yeah, what you can do, <laughs> what you can do is just try to mix your um, meringue. 
a little bit better with your final batter because what happens is all your egg batter is just sinking to the bottom and all your egg white is rising to the top. That's why you have that soft layer on top and your soggy layer on the bottom. So you're just not mixing it well enough when you're, you know, pouring it into the pan. With a professional tip here, thank you. Because my fear (laughs) was always that, you know how they say if you overmix, then it breaks. So I was always trying to purposely not overmix, but I guess I'm doing the complete opposite. Yeah, just make sure that when you pour it, it's like a really thick milkshake. Okay. Like super thick. How about you, Ben? I'm up to bat. By the way, I read in an interview before that you were talking about how your mom kept a lot of the pots and pans in her oven and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I had the same thing with my mom. She'll do the same thing. Just keep that storage at this point. You just got to get her a bigger house. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> bigger kitchen kitchen another professional said bigger house more money solves a lot of your problems <laughs> just throw yeah. more money at it <laughs> win the lottery i'm not as skilled as Lindsay over here or you chef but i attempted to make cornbread it was edible okay. from scratch again or or not from scratch uh chef uh you're gonna be surprised but straight out of a box okay <laughs> Well, I haven't made cornbread yet, so uh, that's impressive. Oh, damn. Thank you, Chef. I felt like that was a pity impressive. Hey, that's fine by me. I'm cool with that, man. You'll take it? I'll take it. He keeps calling me Chef, so I I have to say I'm I'm impressed. (laughs) Well, he he works in the restaurant industry, so I think he's so used to saying that. I am. I am. (laughs) You always got to acknowledge it. You have to. Thank you. Thank you, Kat. My uh, next and last one, I made chocolate souffle, the ones in the small little ramekins. Ooh. That has to be from scratch, so yes, definitely impressed. There you I, go. Did it, Damn. Did it rise and really sink down, or it kept a? It rose rise? above the ramekin. Nice. And the top was crusty, and the inside was nice and moist. Yeah, and no one got sick. <laughs> no one got sick. No one got okay. sick. Everyone liked it, and I sprinkled a little uh, chocolate. What you call it? A little chocolate powder on top, dark chocolate powder. Wow. Okay, cocoa powder. Yeah. Chef. Sounds impressed. <laughs> Very impressed. Oh, um, look at that, man. Both did a really good job. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do a better job of uh, taking out my my mixer. I bought my wife a KitchenAid mixer years ago, mm. um, like a large professional series. And she used it for a good couple months. And then afterwards, it's now just a art piece in the kitchen. Oh, you can use it to store things, you know, yeah. into the bowl. <laughs> yeah, story. pretty much, yeah. More storage. I'm doing, like, had such a huge favor by, like, not having her actually taste any <laughs> anything I bake for her. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> yeah. No, so, the last one I have, I'll be surprised if this is impressive for for Kat. Um, it's just a Sara Lee cake. <laughs> uh, frosting okay. from a can as well. Okay, okay. So, um... So what I'm hearing now is Ben uh, mostly box and, you know, he made things. <laughs> yes. You know, an easy way, right? Um, yes. This I have to say semi-impressed because like a five-year-old can do that. So, <laughs> Speaking <laughs> so but still semi-impressed because it's Sara Lee. So kudos. She's like, at least you picked the proper brand <laughs> yeah. and you did it by yourself. Some bakeries do use the box stuff, right? As like a shortcut for when they're making cakes in mass. Maybe. I mean, it's not it's not the worst thing to go box. I mean, but then you realize the taste might be a little more artificial or too right. sweet for your liking. And then and then you realize it's actually really easy to just mix the, the cake batter yourself. It's, it's just flour, sugar, some baking powder, cornstarch, and so forth. Obviously, we're not professional bakers. Ben bakes straight out of the uh, supermarket aisle. Anyone that wants to battle me <laughs> out of a box, I'll destroy them. You're like the box dessert champion, but uh, <laughs> to, I guess, unveil some things. Is there a particular dish that you as a professional baker have really not gotten the hand of or has had a hard time making just so that we feel a little bit better? <laughs> well, yeah, like we, we talked about the Japanese cheesecake. It actually took me many times to uh, troubleshoot it and perfect it. And then macarons are always a challenge. So the French method is is always a little finicky. It depends on like humidity and like how you mix the, the batter, call, it's called macronage. And then finally, I really want to try um, croissants. So I haven't tried that yet. Um, so I'm sure that my first time would be a, a fail, but um, <laughs> I, I'd like to try that soon. Croissants are hard though, because I've seen the videos on YouTube and it's layers and then it's a butter layer, then it's another dough layer. It's like just layers and layers of everything. It's very time consuming, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, going on to a croissant, is it, is it hard? Because I know in French pastry, you're kind of depending 
at my job that I'm working at currently, we kind of do like Asian French pastries for our desserts. And one of the desserts we have is a peri press. If I'm not, please chef,、um, enlighten me. But I believe it's just like, it's like a very traditional French pastry. But the idea of it's, there's no like a leavening agent or something like that.、Mm-hmm. So you have to rely on like the four ingredients the, with the egg, water, just to get the right texture, I guess, the flakiness. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, just laminating the dough and it, it takes time. And then a little bit of humidity might mess everything up. But I'm not、uh, a French pastry master, but I, I just know that it's,、uh, it's the next frontier for me. If you make any good ones, please ship them over to New York for us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll ship you some、uh, $2 pizza. Or Ben will ship you a, a couple boxes of Sara Lee. Yes.、Uh, I'll take the pizza. Okay, fine. <laughs> She said that in a heartbeat. She's like, yo, no, no, no. I would miss、White、pizza too if I moved down to New York. Yeah. Yeah. So the last two years have been、uh, generally kind of shitty, I would say, given COVID and everything that's going on in the world. But one of the few positive things to come out of it was that Kat burned her medical degree、yeah. and she started Southern Asian baking. Congrats. Like congrats. I said, We have now we she has 200,000 followers across all of social media right now. Just the photos alone、yeah. are enough to get you to join the group. Me, obviously, <laughs> as a non baker myself, is a part of the group. But for our non bakers out there, how would you tell them what exactly SAB Subtle Asian Baking is? Okay.、Um, so, Saab was born in the pandemic. So, it's a pandemic baby. <laughs> I was still working as a, a doctor of physical therapy at the point when I、um, started the group.、Um, it, it's really a homage to, is it homage or homage?、Mm. Homage, right? <laughs> a ongoing gag of this podcast is Ben and I never bring the facts, but we always think we bring the facts. So, we're going to guess it's homage. Yeah, we'll、okay. go. As long as you say whatever you say, we go with it. There you go. Homage. Okay, it's an, it's an homage. Homage. <laughs> 50 50, we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's homage. But anyway, so it's an homage to you know, the subtle Asian communities,、um, which you know, one in three Asian who's on Facebook is a part of a subtle Asian community. And it was all brought, brought along by subtle Asian traits, right? Um, so, I thought, you know, we need a group specifically for Asian baking, but it won't be like an exclusive group just for Asians. It's a group that's inclusive and diverse. And we want to, you know, bring to the world the beauty that is Asian baking. Even if you Google Asian baking now, you don't see a lot of it. And when people think of baking, they think of Western baking. So, they don't think about all the steamed cakes that we have, you know,、right. eat all the desserts that we have that we enjoy during Lunar New Year, during Mid Autumn Festival. So, I just want that to be out in the world, right? So, when people think of <clears throat> British Bake Off and so forth, and they have like Japanese Week, they'll know that there's More desserts than just mochi and like whatever they, they had shown on Japanese Weekend,、yeah. the great British bake off and, and so forth. So it's really this great community. There's so many bakers out there already, but why not, you know, bring, bring out more? You know, like let's bake the Asian way. Let's use Asian techniques like steaming, frying, and boiling. Let's use Asian. Ingredients and so forth. And then the group just blew up. I, at first, I thought maybe just a hundred of my friends would join, but then, you know, it spread, it spread, it spread, and then it grew to a hundred thousand members really quickly and now up to 141,000 members on Facebook alone. So it, it's been a really cool ride so far. Was it a bit of a shock when things actually first took off? Because you just mentioned you thought it was just going to be a small group for you and your friends, maybe just to join. Maybe you'll grab a few other actual、uh, random people, but did it really surprise you? Yeah, when it started, like we celebrated a milestone of like 5,000 new members, and then all of a sudden we had 20,000. And, and my group of moderators were also surprised. They're like, we're getting overwhelmed. Like, we <laughs> signed on to moderate maybe 1,000 members. Now there's like 50,000. So、um, I think also it was timing. You know, a lot of times luck and timing is involved. Um, and then a lot of people were stuck at home, quarantine and baking and trying to learn how to bake. So a lot of it. Um, was from that and how it blew up.、Um, now it's, it's gone a little bit more steady, but our name is out there. And you know, when people think of Asian baking, they immediately think of our group and, and you know, our group of bakers and community. Yeah. I guess that's、uh, one of the good and the bads of like, you know, doing this and being so, you know, being so popular now. And it's just been a you know, widely huge success so quickly. Yeah. It's, it's only been a year. I mean, it'll be two years in May. But I still think it's like, you know, 
very <clears throat> short term so far. Yeah. Um, do you have any other any other surprises that caught you off guard? Maybe that you never anticipated. Surprises. Um, well, yeah, the popularity of it, and then the people who actually come on also surprised me. Like we had um, people from casting agencies come on and want our bakers to join their shows and, oh, and wow. things like that. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, and then just just hearing from people that I haven't heard from for, for years, they're like, Oh, we're on this group. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. That's my group. (laughs) Things things like that. Um, Yeah. And and just how many people are baking the Asian way that I guess that's the surprising thing too. You know, that's one of the other good things too. Like you just mentioned, you had friends that hadn't seen you and they popped on and they didn't even realize that it was your group. Cause one of the great things that I personally think about uh, Kat's group is that it's not just a uh, showcase for her personal style. You know, she's not, she's not plastering her photo on every single post it's actually a great place where she is constantly sharing recipes from both other large creators and small creators as well as small businesses and i mean just on her instagram alone i've never seen a person share as many other people's recipes or other people's posts and i've seen cat do yeah you know so props to you for that yeah that actually really helps build the community because you're showcasing other people's work and then you know their name gets out there too and then it's just great. It's giving back. Um, and, and also we are a, um, a group that crowdsources recipes and, and inspiration and so forth. I think that's one of the first reasons why I wanted to start a baking group in particular too, because I wanted to learn from other people and I wanted people to, you know, um, keep pushing each other to evolve and get inspired and, and grow as bakers and as a community. Yeah, it's always been great. You know, you've grown so much to the point that now the summer coming up, you have your own book called Modern Asian Baking. Mm -hmm. Would you say that at least on a personal basis, that's your biggest accomplishment that's happened from all the uh, subtle Asian baking stuff? Um, I I thought a a lot about this question. And I have to say it's not it's a great milestone, you know, it's a great, um, it's a great goal to achieve and so forth. But in the end, it's a, a a tangible physical object. What I think is the the biggest accomplishment from this um, group is really just building that community. Like last year when we were able to get bakers from all around the world to host and um, sponsor bake sales, and then they would take the profits from their bake sales and collectively donate it to our fundraiser, um, which got over $15,000 to give back to help stop Asian hate and so forth. I think that that was one of our biggest achievements as a group. And I think we have to think about it that way, you know, what we achieve, what what makes you feel good and what you think is the biggest success. The mm-hmm. book is great. You know, the book is is one book, right? Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully yeah. we get more books. And then even with that book, I feel like I want to give back. So like potential profits and, and so forth, portions of the proceeds, we'll, we'll still want to donate back to the community and back to help stop Asian hate um, and things like that. But, you know, really having the community itself, you know, having all these bakers being so passionate about Asian baking and and, um, giving back to the community. I think that is the most proudest and best accomplishment so forth to come out of the group. Yeah, that's actually great to hear. For anyone that doesn't uh, know Kat's background, Kat has done a lot, and I mean a lot of stuff in terms of charity. Like she mentioned, she worked with uh, Stop Asian Hate. Yes. Was it, um, it was a company that you partnered up with and you donated the proceeds to a bakery here in New York City, right? Yes. Uh, she's done stuff for Black Lives Matters and a bunch of other stuff, which I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but props to her for, for doing all this. People need to realize that um, when we support other AAPI mm. uh, creators, we're helping us as a whole. In terms of our book, I will plug your book for you because you seem very hesitant to. You seem very um, <laughs> humble about that. Go to modernasianbaking.com, correct? Yes. And from there, you can have a direct link to the pre-orders or you can just go on your Amazon app on your phone, pull it open, type in Modern Asian Baking and you'll be able to pre-order the book. Mm-hmm. We actually pre-ordered a couple copies ourselves. Yes, we did. Aw, thank you. Funny story was Ben pre-ordered it for me. Yeah. And then I pre-ordered <laughs> it for him. <laughs> So when we were talking about the show notes prior to actually doing the recording today, we just found that out. Yeah. We're having coffee over it. We're like, wait, what? <laughs> so what What I think we're going to do is um, Ben's going to keep his copy. Yes. I'm going to give my copy to my wife. And then between the two of them, between Ben and my wife, hopefully someone will bake something for me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that. I mean, it's true, though. 
<laughs> I'm going to try to bake something outside of the box. And I figured this would be the perfect way of doing it. Um, I guess a side question. How did the uh, book actually happen? Were you just approached by a publisher or did you proactively try to, uh, I guess, start things up? Uh, this is the the best story. I really like it. Um, so what happened was we were featured by Eater on December 2020, I believe. Wow, congratulations. And then after that, thank you. After that, I had um, someone email and it looked like a spam mail. This person <laughs> just wrote... <laughs> This person just wrote, hi, are you working on a book? And I'm like, huh? Very generically, that's all they said? <laughs> it's funny. I, I should give you a screenshot of his email. But it turns out to be an acquiring editor from uh, Quarry Books, part of Quarto Group. So they're, they're a really big publisher. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to work on a book, but I never thought about a cookbook. But the timing was just right. You know, we have um, so many recipes that we could look at and um, adapt and get inspired by and, and fill it up into an Asian baking cookbook, which we just don't have for many years now, right? We don't have a um, full cookbook on just Asian yeah, baking, yeah. you know? So this is, this is a very, what is that? A cornerstone book? I'm trying to think of a word for it yeah so it was just that it was a spam mail i was like should i answer it should I? and i did some research <laughs> i answered it and he's like well do you have a book proposal and i'm like what the heck is that i don't have a book proposal <laughs> <laughs> so you need to have a book proposal you pitch it and the, the editor if he believes in your project and your work then he'll pitch it to his team oh that's how and it works. then if the t- yeah and then if the team says yeah we'll buy the book then you get your contract and so forth and after that, that's when you write the whole book. So it took me around like six months to write it. And then we just finished the final edits last week. And then we're going to look at it one more time before it gets printed out. Wow. Oh, that's a little behind the scenes right there. Yeah. Never knew. Yeah. Uh, has it been overwhelming, the whole process going through all this? I think it was because I was still working. And then my son had to be um, in remote school. Mm. So oh, right. I just wrote like during... You know, ungodly hours and then testing the recipes we had 68 recipes 23 recipe testers and then i tested the recipes our photographer tested the recipes when she was making them to um, take pictures of them um i think right now it's i'm a little burned out from the marketing aspects i i, I think that's why i didn't talk about it so much in, in the beginning because i'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around like how to market this book, you know, Lunar New Year is coming up and so forth. There's six months before the book is released. And, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting on my publisher They're they're going to do some of the marketing too. But right now it's been a lot of it. It has been on me. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to like, not always talk about the book and seem like I'm obsessed about it. But yeah, the marketing. I part. think you mentioned in <laughs> one post, um, maybe it was recently, it's like trying to sell air to someone. Yeah, yeah, it's because you don't have like to get all the pre-orders that we already have right now. It's it's miraculous almost because you're you're selling a promise. There's no physical book yet. You don't have it till June, so you're you're selling this like, you know, this cover and this promise that someone wrote a book. <laughs> you won't get it till June like can I sell you something like that? Like, I'll, I'll make you a cheesecake, pay me $30, I'll give it to you in June. Right? <laughs> it's a completely different process of, like, actually baking. Yeah. So during the, like, this whole process, is there someone you kind of, like, your right-hand man, woman, that a friend of yours that you kind of been, like, relying or going to for, like, advice about all this? Uh, yeah, you know, you always want to mentor through this process. I feel like we have the community. So I have, I had my recipe testers, you know, I, I was going through a lot of emails back and forth with them. You know, they would tell me, you know, maybe change up the way you write this recipe this way or change it up that way, things like that. For, for an author though, it's always been a lonely process because it's a lot, a lot of it's from your head right. to, to what you write. Um, but of course my family's always been here. So, you know, my husband and, and my son and so forth. So, um, just having them not bother me when I'm trying to write, <laughs> that was really helpful. Cat's <laughs> like, I'm working. I need a, I need a brainstorm right now. Yeah, she's like, hon, please take the kid, go to yes. the backyard, play in this snow that we've had here for two weeks because the city didn't come in and shovel it away yeah just play some video games <laughs> yes. one final time i will keep plugging for you because you are very humble about this it, mm-hmm. it is important the pre-ordered numbers right yeah absolutely and I, i'm i'm glad you talk about that humble aspect i think just being raised 
Asian, you know, Chinese, Vietnamese household and so forth, we're just told not to like be so arrogant and always be proud of yourself and p- promote yourself. I'm just really trying to do that. Like even when someone gives gives me a compliment, I'll be like, oh, thank you. You too. <laughs> you don't, you don't really embrace it. Right. You know, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I haven't even thought about that, but like, like now you said you're being reserved and humble about it. And then I realized I was like, yeah, maybe I should be more vocal about promoting yeah. myself. Yeah. But I, I do it a lot through TikTok. I think, I, I think through like a social media lens, you have more of a, uh, like a filter, I think, or like you could become this persona that you're not when you're in real life. Like, you know how Jim Carrey is very different from who he is. Yeah. On that's screen and that's off a really screen. good example. I like that. Yeah. So, but I think, I think it's just ingrained in me. Like even with my parents, like growing up, they would never say like, oh yeah, look at her. She got an A plus on this. <laughs> always be like. <laughs> the opposite, right? It's like, oh, where's that A plus plus cat? Yeah. Yeah. They'll be like, why didn't you get into Stuyvesant? Yeah, like, I was just okay. going to say, yeah. It's, it's like, like, mom, dad, I got into Brooklyn yeah. Tech. It's part of the top three. No, no, no. It's no, not, not good enough. It, it's not good. I think that's what it is. You got to be that's number one. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-order the book. It helps. With a lot of different things. Kat, there's not yeah. selling you air here. <laughs> the book will come out. Yes, it definitely will. It's a real thing. It's on Amazon. Yeah, the thing about the pre-orders too, it's because, you know, especially for a person of color and a female author, we're generally underrepresented on the bookshelf, 100%. in the bookshelves and in, in the media. So the pre-orders will show like the publishers and the media that, hey, this book has some traction. People will buy it. We should promote her. Versus like, if you have no pre-orders, there'll be no promotion and no marketing efforts. It's like, it's dead on arrival and so forth. So yes, you're so right, Linji. Like um, the pre-orders are very important for, especially authors of color, your female authors, your LGBTQ authors and, and so forth. That's great. Please support a good woman who's done a lot of good stuff for the community. <laughs> like I said, she's done Thank a lot you. of charitable, charitable stuff for all different causes. Uh, she's done the most terrible thing of all. She's coming on to this podcast. Yeah, Kat, thank you so much for taking time out and like being with us on this, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite a fan of your podcast. I, I, I think it's very um, down to earth and funny. And I love how, how you guys are very humble. And then, you know, how, how you're telling Ben that he's fired today. <laughs> just the humor. Oh, thank God. Just, thank God. It, the humor is great. You know, I, I really like this podcast. So I'm in the food, hospitality industry and stuff. And when Linji told me that we were able to do an interview with you, I was like super nervous. Seeing everything that you've been doing, it's very inspirational. And I read about, there was one interview where I believe you you're inspired by your grandmother. And that's where like kind of the love of baking all started from. Mm-hmm. Yes. So do you, you mentioned that you have a son. Is that something that's really important to you? Like passing that down as well? I think so. I think so. I, I think when he was um, a little smaller, he really enjoyed baking a lot. But now he's like more into video games. But if I ask him, like, you know, what kind of cake would you like me to make? He, he could like write, write down a recipe. He'll be like, I want this, wow. this, and this, and he'll draw it out. And, and so forth. I think it's very important to be able to to make food because for a lot of people, food is the language of love. So my grandma back then probably never told me that she loved me verbally, but she'd bake a cake for me when I was four years old, turning five. Yeah. yeah. And it was all from scratch because she was, um, she learned from, you know, French techniques from when she um, went across all these restaurants and bakeries in, in Hanoi, Vietnam um, back, back in those days <laughs> a long time ago. And then she learned a lot of those techniques and she passed it down to me whenever I was there with her during the summertime in Montreal, um, Canada. And then it was just, it was so nice to see her make something with her own hands. And then it becomes this beautiful cake and then you eat it and you can feel all of that love, even without her telling you that, that she loves you. And so I think that's why I like to bake and cook a lot because, you know, sometimes I might not tell my son that, you know, you're, you're my favorite son. You're my only <laughs> son that I, I love and, and so forth. Um, but here's this, delicious food that I spent two hours in the kitchen to make for you. You know, like uh, I just hosted a birthday party for one of my best friends yesterday. And I didn't, I didn't do like decorations. I didn't do balloons or flowers or things like that, but I made her a full dinner. Got Aww, her cake. That's really sweet. And I felt like, you know, that's, that's how I, I can show you how much I love you. Exactly. So, yeah. It's so important to pass it down. Like you said, Ben, um, and to be inspired by people around you and, 
unfortunately, sadly for my grandma, she hasn't baked or cooked for many years now. She's in her 90s and um, living alone. And I'm sure she like, you know, whenever she can, she thinks about that, that. And then I know she misses it, you know, just to be able to make food and you know, presented to someone you love every day. Right. It's, I think it's really important. We talked about it once, how I think also preserving our, our heritage mm-hmm. and like our culture. Mm-hmm. Cooking is, has to be like one of the top choices that you yeah, can do. Yeah, it must be. That's really amazing that what you're doing. And like, hopefully maybe your son one day is like, hey, I'm passing down the torch. <laughs> I think he might be more of a box cake guy <laughs> in the future. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, if he ever wants any of my secret recipes, I'll gladly share it with him. You know, speaking of uh, kids, I have a son of my own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we talk about things like this, about trying to preserve things and trying to pass it on and stuff like that, I'm not sure if you can relate to this, but I hope that when my kid uh, grows up and he's in a world that has much more better representation in terms of people that look uh, look like himself. Right. You know, because I think... I think we're in a transitional period right now, especially the last couple of years or so, yeah. where we are starting to finally make some traction in terms of seeing people of color on TV, seeing people like ourselves yes. represented in media. But has it been a little bit difficult uh, for you, Kat, to find yourself, I guess, in a world where there's far less representation? I think so. I think it's always been a little hard. Um, I mean, this vote took 13 years in, in the making, right? So I always wanted to be a writer and an author, but I went into healthcare. Right. And, um, I'm sure you know about this story if you've read up on on some of our my other interviews. It's that like when I started writing, I wrote rom coms featuring Asian American females. I actually read one of them. And, yeah, you did. And, oh, okay. Did. <laughs> Asian, thank you. Embarrassing, but thank you. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. I need a book after too. <laughs> So, yeah, and then my mentor told me, he's like, Kat, this is great, but, you know, these are Asian-American characters. This this book is definitely not going to sell, you know. So he's telling me to whiten the characters. And I'm like, I can't do that. I wrote things about her, you know, being Asian, you know, her Asian heritage, her Asian background. Like, And then I sort of gave up on that dream and just self-published the books and had, like, minor successes, you know, sold, like, 50,000 copies on my own, right, e-books. And then I thought I was like, was that a lie that he told me that Asians don't sell and Asians can't right. be That's kind of what he was hinting I mean, at. Right? But then but then now, like you know, like you said, the transitional period started with crazy rich Asians and you have Bling Empire and then you have like um Shang-Chi and, and Raya and uh, Squid and, Games. And Squid Games, yeah, and then Singles Infernal. Now you see that we are profitable. We should be represented in the media. But I still feel that it, it's been hard. I mean like like even for subtle Asian baking, I feel like I have to go and get a lot of the um, partnerships and brand partnerships. But like when we when we reach out, then we get the, our yeses. But then people don't actively come and reach out to us, right? So, like I said before, people don't think of baking as Asian baking off the bat, right? They think Western baking, they think French baking, Italian, and so forth, right? So yeah, it's it's been quite hard, especially for someone who's a person of color. A female, we're we're already underrepresented. We, I just feel that we have to work so much harder to break all these glass and bamboo ceilings. But but we're getting there, right? I'm I'm not discouraged. We're we're definitely getting there. That's good. It's good to stay optimistic about stuff like that. You know, mm. like you said earlier, sometimes the powers that be, if you present to them something and yeah. it's, it's conveniently in front of them, they'll say, "Hey, maybe this is a, a good idea." But they never. Yes themselves try to proactively go out there and like um sort out these people of of color right right so i yeah. think hopefully it gets to the point where it's in the front of their mind that they should be proactively themselves trying to reach out to these creators and trying to put them out there instead of the complete opposite mm. yeah and it's it's a bit about respect to you want to appropriately represent that culture in the media versus you know thinking this is Japanese or this is what Chinese should be, or this is what Indian should be, you know, give a little bit respect back to that culture and exactly. you know, consult the experts and consult the community and the masses before you put something out there that and you call it Asian baking, like come to us first. Right. Right. Exactly. It's a very fine line that they're trying to walk. Right. Yeah, exactly. Obviously I think the cynic in me will say that they're doing it for their own, um, uh, for their own profit, of course, yeah. but that is not inherently a bad thing. I think how they approach it, like what you were saying, Kat, you know, if you're going to do like an Asian bake-off, have some uh, consultants who know what the hell they're, they're talking about, right? Right. Right. Let's just not group things together just because that's more convenient for them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
And that kind of leads into the next thing that we want to talk about. I think you can agree with me that the internet is a very weird place, especially (laughs) social media. Yeah. I'm probably going to take this whole segment just to vent about uh, social media, but there is a love-hate relationship with the internet, right? Because it's a necessary evil. Hmm. I know like you have your... I know you have your book coming out now, and part of it is that you have to self-promote. And what does that mean? That means you have to put yourself out there more. You have to try to like actively push your book a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen you on TikTok, especially. You're not the biggest fan of the internet. Is that fair to say? No. <laughs> yeah, you're correct, Linji. I mean, um, it's the word that I really loathe right now uh, is uh, the algorithm. Yes. Because everyone's promoting the algorithm and everyone has a different sort of algorithm even youtube now they're like so we have a youtube channel as well it's it's small it's a personal youtube channel and and then i just got an email they said promote your shorts you know put more shorts out there you gotta get on this algorithm like what is this algorithm you don't even tell us what this is yeah it's like an arbitrary (laughs) thing it's like a myth yeah so, uh, and then, you know, you could spend an hour editing this, this baking reel or TikTok, and then it gets 40 views, right? <laughs> and then two likes. <laughs> and then I'll do something on TikTok that takes me one minute and then it blows up. It's into, like an like, instant hit. Instant hit. I was like, how does this happen? So you try to recreate that. You get this high, this like endorphin, like dopamine, like rush to your head when anything goes rival. Then the next day you try to push out more content and none of it get, becomes a hit. And then you get depressed. So you get high <laughs> and then you get depressed and then you get high. And I'm like, I got to just get off my phone and stop doing That's why I'm telling you I'm a little burned out from the whole promotion thing. And I also see that like for people of color, it's actually a little harder. You you really have to have this certain look. You have to to blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful, you cry and you'll get 3 million views (laughs) on a TikTok. Yeah, I could do the same exact thing and then no one will watch it. Yeah, it makes no sense sometimes. (laughs) Like you don't know what, I don't know if it's a supercomputer or an AI or something, but the algorithm makes no sense sometimes. Yeah, and it's not supposed to. You try to replicate what you think is successful and you do Mm -hmm. it and you spend a lot of time on it and you post it out there and it's like, no, no one is looking at you. Are they not pushing this out to people yeah. or did you not press the publish button? Yeah, we also got shadow banned for like really? many months on that account. That's why I didn't grow for a long time. Anything that I would put out, like if I put a, a reel on um, Instagram, it could get 30,000 views. The same thing I would put, push to TikTok would get like four views <laughs> so, or it would be zero views for like a few days and then it'll be four. And I was like, what is going on? I, I thought about just quitting TikTok, but I, th- I thought also that it's a really good um, place to promote the book. So yeah, that's yeah. why I started it again. Um, but my advice to content creators is that just don't take it that seriously because right. unless you have like 12 million followers, it's not going to be your nine to five. It really can't be your nine to five. And it'll just put you into that spiral of happiness and then depression and happiness and depression. Yeah, and you'll like be a content, a content farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll, you yourself will be a content farm. And, and I think that's why I started subtle Asian baking too, because I didn't want myself to be the sole content producer. I don't think I could do like a hundred recipes and new recipes a week to, to promote and so forth. And that's why it became this crowdsourced thing. So people don't feel so pressured to always post and promote themselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I really don't think social media is for everyone. Like if you really want to become an influencer and you want to become really successful, like I, I feel you shouldn't take it so seriously and don't, don't let the algorithm like rule your life or ruin your day. And yeah. There you go for our listeners. Please take it easy with social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's, that serious. It's not that <laughs> no. serious. No. Get off your phones and go outside and play in the snow and, you know, enjoy a slice of pizza and hug your friends. Yeah, because it's crazy. I've I've seen stuff, I think, in like a lot of countries, even, even here in the U.S., they've done surveys with young high schoolers talking about what potential future careers there are. And YouTuber slash content creator slash blah, blah, blah keeps rising up as, as in kids think yes. it's a viable option for everyone. And if you're doing that for fun, it's one thing. But if you think that's what's going to pay the bills one day, please no. reconsider. Yeah. So don't don't be so obsessed with those social media numbers. Like unless you have like 12 million followers, <laughs> 3 million followers. Yeah. 
it's really not worth it worth your sanity and your mentality 100% agree you gotta stay mentally sane by not always staring at your phone self-care is really important mm-hmm. guys self-care yep. one final question about social media and I know it's hard I always joke with other people that you've kind of made it on the internet when you have haters <laughs> Because if someone cares enough to hate the content that you're producing, I think you're reaching people. You're like, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're triggering an emotion in somebody. I think in some ways that does mean that you've made it. If it can invoke a feeling, then yeah. 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 So have you had any troubles dealing with some of uh, your haters slash doubters, Kat? I feel like uh, the hardest part is when you have a long-term follower who suddenly turns on you. And mm. that actually happened yesterday um, after I... I put out a reel about um, the Great British Bake Off and how, you know, people passed off Indian and Chinese food as Japanese food. And it's just a statement. You know, it's it's all about, you know, bringing more awareness out there. I'm not trying to say that I I, I love the show. I think it's great, right? Um, but then you have someone come on and say, you know, get off your soapbox. You know, <laughs> why are you an upset Asian talking about this? Shots fired. People bake how they people should bake how they want to bake, you know, you sh- and then people are dying out there. You shouldn't be making a reel that makes fun of a show. And I was like, I'm just making a statement yeah. <laughs> so that there's more awareness. Um, yeah, but I, I think whenever you have trolls and haters, the best way is just not to give them more ammo and fire. Exactly. And not give them more attention and just block and ban or report them. And then just ignore it because you're going to have a lot of haters and, and trolls and so forth. As, like you said, as you get bigger and bigger, there will be always people who support and love you. And there will always be people who hate you, especially when you're an Asian, you're expected to be quiet in the media. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because the model minority. And yeah. The- docile. Yeah. I'm sure if someone else, just a random person that would maybe, that maybe was not a person of color said that statement, someone wouldn't even think twice at it. Right. No. But because we are at times uh, expected to conform to a certain way of thinking, when we put out, you know, just general statements, you know, there's no issue putting out your thoughts out there. Yeah, open dialogue. Right? And put something like that out there and then someone just starts, you know, uh, starts uh, jabbing you for it. Right, like when Michelle Lee talked about dumplings, eating dumplings on New New Year. Yeah. And then someone was just very upset and said that that's too Asian or that's very Asian, you know, like, like Asians can't have dumplings. (laughs) Yeah, that's just a crazy thing to say, just like right off the bat. What's this parameter? We need to get to a point where we're no longer saying something is either too Asian or not Asian enough, right? right. Or it's just a normal part of society. Uh, just be children of the same world. There you go. There yeah. You go. <laughs> um, something very Asian is coming up. Lunar New Year. <laughs> yeah. I know you're currently doing a collab bake-off contest right now. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, so um, ever since we started Subtle Asian Baking, we do remote and virtual bake-offs, and they're usually open worldwide, so you could just post a picture or a video or a recipe of, of um, an entry, like like a Ningo for for Lunar New Year, mm-hmm. or like when we did mooncakes, you could do mooncake, customized mooncakes and uh, enter our bake-off. It's like it's it's like a baking competition, a baking challenge that you could anyone can join online. So right now we're partnered with Raw Nice. They do um, super powder superfoods, um, and they're all about you know colorful and healthy foods. And so anyone can um, bake something that's related to Lunar New Year that they want to share with their family members and friends, and then. Uh, put up a recipe, the ingredients, and a little story about it, and then they could um, enter it into our Bake Off on Instagram or on Facebook. We need to step up our baking game. I think you're pretty good so far. I need to... Well, first, you got to clear the stuff out of your uh, oven, so at least you have space to bake. <laughs> yes. I'm going to take my wife's uh, KitchenAid out of, the, of, uh, excuse me, out of the cabinet and dust it off. Maybe I'll try to <laughs> enter this contest, too. You should. You could win a, um, very cool prizes, and we're doing a nice. trophy for the very first time. Oh, nice. I love trophies. I love signs that I've won something <laughs> I can just place around the house. Is there, for people like Ben and I, is there like a lunar-themed uh, recipe or dish that you would say even a non-baker like us could try? Yeah, definitely. Just the the ningo that we talked about. You could just throw everything into a blender and then steam it. Ooh. There you go, Ben. You don't even like need how, your oven. No, no, I'm serious. I like, I know you, I I'm like looking at you because you, you don't even need to clear your oven. If you can just steam it on the countertop, then that's points for you already. All right, you're going to eat it, though. 
Um, you can eat it first and just let oh, me know how it goes. We'll eat it together. If it turns out good, you can we can ship it across the states to Kat and see if she wants to try eating it. Sorry, Kat. <laughs> please stop. Please stop shipping things to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you still want the pizza, um, though, I'm right? Good. The pizza is good. She's gonna be like again. The pizza's good. <laughs> Fine. Well, we'll ship you over some pizza. That's a promise made by me. We're going to wrap this off with uh, my favorite segment of the podcast, ranting and raving. And today I'm going to invite Kat to join us on today's ranting and raving. Thank you. I will start things off by saying that, as we mentioned earlier, Kat is an author and she was author even prior to Modern Asian Baking. But prior to making this book, she actually wrote a lot of romantic comedies. Is that correct, Kat? Yes, this is so embarrassing. Which one did you read? Please, <laughs> please do not be embarrassed. It's okay because it's a novella, right? So it's a bit short. It didn't take yeah. me that much time. But I chose the one that I thought was a completed series. I read uh, My Cup of Tea. Okay. And then I was very, and this is the ranting part. I was very upset to find out that at the very end, I don't want to spoil this for anyone, but at the very end, I'm left on a cliffhanger. The worst part is I do not see the next book where is the next book, cat? Oh, it's a cliffhanger. It's, it's a cliffhanger a... to nowhere. I'm oh. still hanging. I'm very embarrassed to say this. So that, that book was written during maternity leave, which I had like three weeks to write like nonstop. So it's very unpolished because I didn't have a budget to get it edited and it's all self-publishing, right? And I just never finished it. Oh. <laughs> Will we uh, maybe in the future? Will I find out what happens with Sarah and Ian? No, sorry. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what happens. Can you? Can, can, can you write me like a short email and just give me like a list of possibilities at least? Once again, I don't want to spoil it for someone that wants to go read it, but it's called. I, I want to read it now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta know what's going on. It's called My Cup of Tea, Summer Love, Volume One, Volume One, but there is no Volume Two. No. <laughs> volume Two coming soon. Yes. No, I got a lot of people yelling at me on this one. You'll see the reviews online that the reviews were plummeting because I never finished a book. So I I have a lot of haters on that one. (laughs) That's amazing. It's like, yo, where's the sequel? We're waiting here. I'm going to learn how to write books myself. And I'm going to finish off volume two. And I send it to Kat. She'll proofread this. She'll publish it under her name. And then we'll be good to go. Yeah, do that. Do that. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I feel like whatever you do, you, you make it look so easy, it seems like. It's like, yeah, yeah just write a book. Three yeah. weeks. <laughs> you know, try new uh, new types of desserts. You know, yeah, have a community board. And we need to you step know. up our game, bro. Yeah. You know what you have to do? Just be a little bored and then you'll have to find <laughs> find uh, things to fill your time. And I think that's, that's what it is. Fair enough. I have a little ADHD, I think. I've never been diagnosed, but I think I have a little bit. Some WebMD. WebMD action. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um before we're talking about like self-care is there something you like to do besides like baking and writing just to like you know keep yourself you know clear-minded yeah so i do have a problem like Lindsay, i could write a book and then i could never finish it that's <laughs> my problem I, I like to start things and then <sighs> finish it <laughs> so like even when i'm writing my cookbook right now i went to my publisher and said hey when can i start my next cookbook because i'm a little bored now can i write my next cookbook um, and he was like, well, wait till your your first cookbook really sells first, and then we can talk. And I'm like, okay. And then I do a little bit of knitting and crocheting and uh, painting. Um, I do a lot of, like, I do a lot of painting, yes, that, that I really like. Oh, nice. But, um, yeah, reading. Reading is really good. And um, I'm a little addicted to, to gaming. So oh. whenever I have free time, I, I was gonna play say, a lot of video games. I peeped the Nintendo Switch in the back, I think. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation. What's your favorite game at the moment? Uh, not my favorite game, but something I've been playing for years is Overwatch. Um, definitely oh. any Final Fantasies, I really love. Overwatch, and, uh, the first-person shooter? Yeah, Overwatch. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, I like Overwatch. And then uh, RPGs, I really like. And I'm waiting for um, the Haunted Chocolatier from, from Stardew Valley's creator. Oh, wow. You are really a bona fide gamer. Yeah. I'm going to have to put that into the title as clickbait. <laughs> yeah. Cat Lou, great baker, even better gamer. <laughs> Casual gamer, not not a very good gamer. I'm not good at playing it. I just like playing it. So I guess, uh, Cat, that means we'll be expecting a Twitch account soon? <laughs> <sighs> I think I'm a little too old for that. So no. <laughs> hey, you never know. 
Uh, so Kat, inviting you onto this segment, do you have a rant or a rave that you want to talk about? Um, I, I thought about it. <laughs> don't feel any pressure. Don't don't, it's okay. <laughs> I can rave about you guys. I really like your, your podcast and I didn't pay them any money for, for promoting my book so much. Like, <laughs> but I think you guys are really great. Like I really loved um, the charity fundraiser that you were doing. I, you raised a thousand dollars. Yes, we did. Uh, we were very to. surprised. We had our expectations pretty low. Yeah, and then you had all those great prizes to raffle off. And like I said, I'm quite a fan. I've listened to um, some of your podcasts, and I really like your dynamic. You know, you have thank you, <laughs> you kind of beat each other up, but I could tell that you guys are really great friends. We are friends, but not really great friends. Uh, we have known each other since we were little kids. <laughs> yeah, since like elementary Aww. school. Yeah, so we're stuck as friends, but I wouldn't say really good friends. <laughs> Well, when you say that, you know that you are really good friends because <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Sorry. Uh, so, Ben, uh, do you have anything that you want to rant or rave about this week? I guess if I can rave about is I just, I can't stress enough, Kat. Thank you so much just for being here and gracing us with your presence with Aww. this. Like, seriously, I was like nervous all week. Like, Yeah, Ben is uh, surprisingly, you've listened to some of the episodes, but Ben is not a very polished speaker. So he does tend to get very nervous in front of people. Yes. Thank God he does not get nervous in front of me, but... <laughs> No. <laughs> in case Ben was throwing off some nervous vibes today, that was just him being, uh, I guess. I'm being a little fanboy right now. He That's is. what it is. He is, yeah. Aw, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited wow. about the book. Like, and yeah, it was just crazy how everything just all fell into place. Kat, like, you're, you're like a freaking overachiever. I don't know how you, like, you just seem so calm and, like, collected about everything. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. You know, when you say that, I'm like, I feel like I haven't achieved enough. You know, you look Damn. at Damn, that's like, the <laughs> stereotypical Asian yo, mentality right there. Yo, Kat is going to yeah. be on like the next TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I get stage fright. Really? I feel like you'll be okay. She's going to be like, oh, I was just bored. So I just did a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Maternity leave. I just did another <laughs> TED Talk. Why not? Well, there won't, there won't be any more maternity leave, so I'm done. I'm done with one kid. <laughs> yes, that's something you and I can agree with. Uh, sweetie, true. to my wife who is listening to this, I'm sorry, but me and Kat on the same page. Kat convinced me today that one kid is enough. There you go. Yeah, because if you think about it, right, you only have one spouse, one girlfriend, <laughs> right? Or one husband. No. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't think about myself. I can love one son, right? But people tell me, how come you don't have a second one? And then I thought about it. I was like, how come no one asked me why I'm not having a second husband? <laughs> isn't, a, isn't a husband easier to take care of than a Is son? this going to be in the next book, by the way? <laughs> Maybe? No. <laughs> no, it's like just one kid is so hard already, right? Just to focus all your attention on him. Like, you know, Lynchy. So, yeah, no more for me. <laughs> <laughs> I am very glad to wrap up the podcast on my favorite point of the whole podcast. One kid is enough. It, it all comes full circle. Cat, yeah. once again, on behalf of uh, Ben, me, and the the listeners out there, we are yes. very glad that you came onto the podcast today. We appreciate it. We know it is early for you over there on the east. Excuse me, on the west coast. Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you once again for um, helping us with the charity. For those yes. that don't know, that's how we actually first made contact. Mm -hmm. Normally, I don't like doing that because I always feel like I'm being a uh, creeper. Is, is that the right <laughs> yeah, word? Yeah, that's what the cool kids are saying now. Yeah. But yeah. I had known previously that Kat had already done a lot of stuff with charity work. Mm -hmm. I don't know if her intern, her five assistants are going to take a look at this DM or something, but maybe she'll be <laughs> willing to help because we're trying to do something for a good cause. Yes, and, all about the community. And to my surprise, Kat has no interns. <laughs> So she was able to respond herself, and that's how we made contact. Yeah, I, d I did get some creeper vibes. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Kat? I like it. Just, <laughs> we need her more on this podcast. I like this show. One final message to the listeners out there. Support a good woman doing good things. Pre-order mm -hmm. Modern Asian Baking on your Amazon app mm -hmm. um, or go to modernasianbaking.com. She'll have a link right there. Get yourself a copy. This makes a great gift. You get yourself two copies if you want to. You can put one there in the living go. room, put one in your bedroom, Aww. and you don't even have to walk around to grab the next copy. Put one in every room. That's pro decorating <laughs> tips from Ben. There you go. See? Forget the couch. Forget the sofa. You don't even need a cutlery anymore. <laughs> you just get like a bunch of books and you can use that to like smash your food. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You can do that. <laughs> Thank you so much. For our... <laughs> Thank for, you, Kat. <laughs> for our listeners out there... 
if they don't know who you are and they want to find you on social media, where yes. can they find you? Yes, you can follow us on subtle Asian um, dot baking at Instagram and TikTok, and then you could also look us up on uh, Facebook, Subtle Asian Baking. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page, and then you could also look at all our recipes on modernasianbaking.com. Fantastic! We will have links to all that down in the the description box. There you go. Once again, Cat, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hun, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair too. Whoa, glasses start at just thirty-nine dollars. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart.